Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is Jimmy Kemsky of phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of bleedinggrenation.com. This is BGN Radio, episode number 139. How you doing, buddy? It's hot out there today, huh? Hot one out there, Jimmy. It's day seven of Eagles training camp. I have to admit, I'm feeling a little bit tired, which is pretty lame and weak because the players <laughs> are out there actually running around. There's people... I feel that way every year. Like I feel like... You know, like I'll, I'll be out there, like, oh, I'm, I'm really hot out here. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. they're in like full pads and helmet, and they're blasting each other for like two and a half hours. <laughs> like it's nothing. Well, you know, I'm sipping on water. Like it's nothing compared to what these guys have to go through during training camp. And this is a shorter training camp for us too. So our are pl- complaining about the heat and whatever else, whatever other uncomfortableness that we might have. Uh, is is even less justified and then just people who work you know like outside too like my cousin yeah. kevin bray <laughs> right um works for his uh his family's company called bray brothers uh a little free plug there like he does they do like blacktop and stuff and he's okay. like shoveling like hot tar and like yeah. 100 degree weather and i'm like and he just looks like burnt all the time well i mean you know he has suntan so he's not like actually burnt but like he's like so tan just from being outside so so basically the takeaway is i'm a wimp but i'm here and i'm admitting it and while I'm giving out plugs to me, I have to mention, of course, Right to Spell and Craft Jerky, where Eagles fans, BGN Radio listeners can get the same meat snacks that the Eagles do by going to RightToSpellin.com and using discount code BGN15 at checkout for 15% off. Where do we start today, Jimmy? Well, I believe you had some Wentz beef. Speaking Wentz of beef. beef about beefy Wentz. <laughs> um, this is beef that you can't get at RightToSpellin.com. Jimmy, I've brought up the, I guess it was yesterday, really, Sunday yeah. episode. That I brought up Carson Wentz's uh, some of the accuracy issues he's been having. Now he did some good things. In I thought he had a good day today, actually. Okay, I didn't I, think it was all bad. I, I wrote down a bunch of positives on my notes on BleedingGreenNation.com, but I guess I'm getting maybe I'm just focusing in on it too much. But it's driving me crazy with how like so. Okay, he makes one good fade throw to Jalen Rager for a touchdown, but then the next three fade pass attempts are all like overthrown to where the receiver doesn't really even have a chance. And I just I feel like he's not putting enough air under the ball, which is what I kind of said on Sunday's episode. I don't know if this is the case, but it struck me, like the thought raced across my mind today that was like, because this hasn't been Carson Wentz in every kind of training camp. You know, he's had some uh, accuracy issues here and there, but I just feel like it's been more recently. I don't know if that's recency bias, but I almost wonder if him being like too beefed up is a bad thing because sometimes, again, like just be, some of the passes need more finesse and he's like trying to throw like a bullet on a fade pass, like that doesn't work. He does love ripping it in there for sure. He loves he loves showing off that arm. <laughs> like, yeah. I do I do agree with that. Maybe the another uh, theory on that could be like he kind of had to rip it in because his receivers never got good separation last year or the year before. 
you know, I mean, really at any point during his career, his receivers really haven't gotten good separation. I don't know. Maybe he's just sort of adjusted. And now that he has speed receivers, he should kind of lay off a little bit and let those guys make the play for him as opposed to trying to rip it in there all the time. But yeah, I agree. I think that uh, he could, you know, stand to have a little more touch on his throws than he does on a lot of the ones where he's trying to rip it in there. And he did have a good touchdown to Jalen Rager and one on one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, over uh, Darius Slayers. Actually, pretty good coverage on the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rager had like a half step on him, if that. And Wentz put it where only Rager could get it. Rager caught it in stride. And uh, afterward, Slay was complaining that someone yelled <laughs> back shoulder <laughs> on the play. I think I think the point he was trying to make there was uh, made him slow up or, or you know kind of mm-hmm. look for the ball coming in behind him. But uh, very good throw on on that one. That one he had touch on it. Perfect throw, really. Uh, but I, I do I do agree. I, I think that uh, he could stand to throw it a little more touch than 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 he has so far in camp. Yeah. So I'd just like to see some more of that moving forward. Um, again, level of concern isn't high, but it's just something that in a normal training camp, I guess I would feel like a little bit even less worried. Maybe wouldn't even point it out as much just because there's there's more time. Yeah. And you can kind of work that out and iron that out maybe a little bit as camp and preseason. Not that he really plays in those games, but as the, you know, the, the summer progresses and it's just, you know, they're 20 days away from today, from the season today. And it's just like, man, I kind of hope that gets ironed out a little bit. But Jimmy brought Jalen. I just brought Jalen Rager. I thought he looked good again today. Yeah, it's not that he's really been dominant at any kind of point. Like he's not just like taking over practice, but he doesn't have to. To be clear, I just think he looks really. The thing that stood out to me about him today, I mentioned the deep, uh, you know, reception he had against Slay. But I guess the the bigger theme, what I saw out of practice, uh, kind of just goes to what we had kind of known about him in terms of he's a very strong player. Now he does like again like five hundred or six hundred or seven hundred kind of like push ups per day. He was talking to Dave Spadero about that. Uh, obviously, he like a 73 percentile bench press combine. He just looks strong, looks rocked up. Uh, and I feel like we're seeing that manifest in the way where anytime you throw the ball to Jalen Rager in any kind of like tight space, like he comes up with it. And it doesn't matter if like there's a defender draped on him. Um, and, and that's not the case for every receiver. Like There's a lot of receivers I feel like you see around who, if there's a defender even like near them sometimes in the book, the, in, the vicinity of the ball coming to them, they just don't make that play. Um, like they might hear footsteps or they drop it or they just, they can't um, kind of, they don't have the focus to kind of stay with it through contact as the ball is going to the ground or other, as they're going to the ground. Um, and Rager's just been really good to me in that regard. He's, he's made tough catches. Um, and I just, I think he looks good. Yeah. One anecdote from uh, today's practice. We're not allowed to report like what we hear coaches and players say from the field. But for the podcast, I think this is okay. Like he, and I don't think it makes anyone look bad. So I'm just, I think it's okay. But there was one point during practice today where Carson Wentz uh, sort of led him a little bit into a, into a defensive back. And the defensive mm-hmm. back isn't going to hit Rager, of course. Uh, on, and it was, you know, obviously gonna, it was, it was a clear, clearly going to be an incomplete pass. But he did, I don't want to say it was a hospital ball, but it was maybe sort of close to one. And uh, Jim Schwartz yells out, don't get the good player hurt <laughs> to Wentz, <laughs> which was uh, pretty awesome. I, I mean, what Rager has, uh, you know, it's it's one thing to impress you know people like you and me. It's another thing to, to impress you know a guy like Jim Schwartz who coached Calvin Johnson, for example. You know, so like mm-hmm. he's been around the league a long time. He's seen his share of good receivers. For him to single out uh, Jalen Rager in that way, I thought was uh, was a pretty interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, Jim Schwartz isn't the most easily impressed person. Oh, yes, <laughs> you, also you, true. You yes, to, 
you have to work hard to get his favor. What else, Jimmy? Yeah, so uh, just from my notes, you know, one of the, um, I guess, quote unquote, camp battles, but one that's for like a re- very rare one for a starting position. Like we, you know, we've kind of mocked the idea that uh, Avante Maddox and Sidney Jones are in competition for that starting mm-hmm. outside corner. But one that is legit is the uh, the linebacker starting job opposite Nate Gary. Uh, and that's between, you know, now it would just be really Duke Riley and TJ Edwards after Jatavis Brown uh, retired. And, you know, while I think uh, Sean Bradley's had his moments and Davion mm-hmm. Taylor was a third round pick, of course, who has athletic ability, I don't think those guys are really in contention for that. So really it's just between Duke Riley and TJ Edwards. And more recently, we've been seeing more Duke Riley, I feel, than we've seen TJ Edwards in their nickel defense, which is really essentially their base defense these days. Would you agree with that, first of all, that uh, Duke is getting more reps there than TJ? Yeah, I would. But but it's not. But TJ has also been getting uh, first-team reps uh, right. in that nickel linebacker spot as well. And it kind of dawned on me today, like, what if they just had sort of a, a, a platoon so, like, the, the concern with Duke Riley being on the field for an extended number of snaps is he's a smaller linebacker. Like, he's six foot, like, 230, if that. Uh, he's got a good, that good athleticism, but the concern with him is being able to, you know, stack and shed blocks um, and, you know, be a competent player in the run game. Uh, there's really less of a concern that he can cover, you know, running backs and tight ends and, and, and things like that. Conversely, you have a guy like TJ Edwards, who was an absolute stud. Uh, in the run game last year, but barely played any snaps in the past because they didn't let him. <laughs> like he was mainly playing on rundowns, and uh, there's concerns about his ability to cover running backs and tight ends because of his lack of athleticism. So, what if they kind of had more of like a platoon situation with those two guys, where like uh, a guy like T.J. Edwards is going to play maybe a little bit more against a run-heavy team like a Dallas or a San Francisco or Seattle or uh, Baltimore, for example. Whereas, like a guy like uh, like Duke Riley, you know, you, you play him maybe more against a, a team not only with a better passing attack, but maybe like a running back that has some receiving chops, like like New Orleans with Alvin Kamara, or like with uh, Arizona with uh, with uh, Kenyon Drake. I guess Kenyon Drake is still there, right? Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think like a platoon of those two guys. Uh, Nate Gary is going to be like the three down linebacker, obviously, but a platoon of those two guys as sort of the the second linebacker in that nickel look. I think makes makes some sense for for this Eagles defense. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, I think it's interesting how much the team really seems to like Duke Riley. I mean, not only the coaching staff, and as I've told you before here, Jimmy, not to be all Mister Insider. I know everything because clearly I don't. <laughs> but uh, one thing that I am keen on, I guess I should say, is that the Eagles feel that like Riley. Like his Atlanta Falcons version doesn't necessarily have to be. And I think I mentioned this before. Like his Eagles version, they feel like it's a different fit as far as like the schemes go. Yeah. So that's worth noting. Yeah, I mean they, they I, run that Seattle offense in uh, obviously defense. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, they they run that Seattle defense there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that's a difference worth highlighting um, as to why like because I guess some people could look at it. Well, like if he flamed out in Atlanta, like why would he work here? And that's that's a reason you could uh, kind of look at. And also. I would just say the energy that Duke Riley plays with is something that we've highlighted, I believe, on these camp podcasts. But that was really present today where makes an athletic pick on Nate Sudfeld and he runs it back. And like Jalen Mills runs across the field to celebrate with him. He wasn't even on the field at, at that time. Connor Barwin standing in the end zone there, like chest bump with him. Like, and the whole sideline seemed to love it too. And by contrast, like 
Edwards had an interception in seven on seven, and there wasn't the same kind of hoopla. Not not to say they don't like TJ. They hate TJ Edwards, is what yeah, you're they saying. They hate him. That's that's. But yeah, but seriously though, I think there's something to that though. Like he has a lot of respect. It seems like Duke Riley. Not People like him. I I think he's a very likable guy. Is what it is. Yeah, and I think we see that from Schwartz a lot though. Like he wants players on the field who play with energy, like Mills. Um, you could even say Gary. Like Gary's an energy to some extent, sure. like an energy guy. Um, Vinnie Curry, he highlighted today. Malik Jackson, like he he likes these guys who like bring the juice, basically. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, like like he had Nigel Bradham there. He liked the way yep. that he played. We mentioned, you know, in another podcast, Timmy Jernigan was a guy that he loved the energy that that he that he played with. Schwartz liked a lot. Maybe kept him a little bit longer than he should have. Maybe kept Nigel Bradham longer a little bit longer than than he should have because Same of their Steve. energy. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he he does like those guys, those high energy guys. I think you put Avante Maddox in that category as well. Yep. Um, but and, and you Slay mentioned Mills. Swag. Yeah, I mean, this. Let's. I think we should just transition to Mills here, since you mentioned him. He's had a very good camp in his transition from uh, from corner to safety. Yeah, I mean, I haven't noticed like any kind of blown coverages really when he's been around. Like you know, just something where you could just see so clearly, like oh, something went like really wrong there, right? And I guess I would have expected to see more of that again because he kind of admitted that like communication is is the biggest part and one of the biggest challenges of moving. Um, that's just a different aspect for him. Uh, yeah, so I've been really impressed with Janelle Mills. Had a really nice, like, one-handed pick on Carson Wentz during red zone, seven-on-seven, yes. late in practice. Um, and, of course, ran out and, like, did a flip and celebrated <laughs> after he did that because he's Jalen Mills. Um, yeah, he's he's looked pretty good to me. I, I think there is definitely reason to be uh, excited about his upside moving from corner to safety and potentially, like, he could be, uh, not you know, not. Now, no kind of upgrade on Malcolm Jenkins or anything, but like could be uh, a better player at the very least. Yeah. So like he he's he's going to an easier position. Like it's a hard position that he's playing, like sort of that Malcolm Jenkins role where you're doing a lot of different things. But it's still easier than what he was doing last year when he was and and the last few years, really, when he's been the Eagles, you know, shouldn't have been the number one corner. But he essentially was their number one corner. And at times he's going up against the, the best receiver. Uh, on the opposing team, not that he trailed guys, you know, uh, substantially, but he did often play against, you know, the other team's best receiver. Like he'd go against Julio Jones and guys like that. You go from like covering guys like Julio Jones to covering a running back or a tight end, and it's night and day. Like it's just a much easier assignment for him than uh, than what he was doing before. So I think he will benefit from that move. Um, and and I think so far in camp, he's shown that that he can play that position. Yeah, I noticed him specifically on one rep today. Really tight cap- coverage on Zach Ertz to help force an incompletion. So you know, seems to be, and he's done that a couple times where I've seen him have good coverage on Ertz. So that's you know who never has an incompletion? Who? Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Brandon. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's impressive. Hundred, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, well, I've mentioned numerous times her her reviews on Zillow dot com. It's just five stars across the board. Like, not, no four stars, nothing like that. It's 100%. Like, no incompletions whatsoever. So if you're looking to buy or sell a home, call Kristen Roach, 856-906-9295. Brandon? Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio episode 319, or day seven of Eagles training camp, report, check-in, whatever you want to call it. Jimmy, what, what else do we have on the table here? Well, let's do our, so in my notes, I, I kind of laid out my, I guess the, another camp battle, not for a starting job here, but <laughs> a very low-level camp battle is for the fifth defensive end spot. I guess it's mm. possible they keep four. I don't think they'll... I don't think they'll it's possible keep four. they keep six. It's very unlikely they'll keep four. I think it's possible they keep six, as you mentioned. But I think the sweet spot is kind of five. So, like, uh, hmm. uh, my, I, I won't give mine. I'll let you give yours first. I already what, know yours. What? Oh, you, <laughs> you cheated. All right. So, what are your fifth defensive end? Because, of course, you have Graham, Barnett, Curry, and Sweat. Who is your what's your power rankings for the fifth guy thereafter? Those guys are all locked. So who's your what's your power ranking for the for the guys competing for that fifth spot? Yeah, I would have Osman, Tuhill, Miller, and then Avery. Okay. In that order. And Avery, by the way, left practice today with some kind of injury. Don't know what it is, but he got looked at and then he walked back into the building, didn't return. And I also saw him lose a rep in one on ones to Jack Driscoll. Um, so just continues to not have a good training camp. And I really, I just more and more, I can just not understand how he would make the team on merit. I'm starting to think they maybe will keep six because they're using Osman a lot in different ways. Like today they, they are lining him up as a defensive tackle in obvious passing situations. I don't think they'd bother doing that if they just didn't feel like they had a use for him. They'd line they gave up, him a they, press conference after practice, too. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to the media. That, that actually is a pretty good – it sounds stupid, but it actually is a pretty good sign for him. They're lining him up in that joker spot as well, which I think is uh, – I mean, they haven't done that with Avery. They've done it a little bit with Hill, but they haven't done it with Avery. And that's really probably Avery's best spot is sort of being able to kind of roam around and, and blitz from different angles or whatever. They've, they've done it with Osman, but not Avery. Uh, I have Avery a little bit ahead of Miller. Because I think the sting of cutting a, a fourth round pick uh, over a, a guy, I, I think it's worse if you if you cut a guy that you traded a fourth round pick for. Because the evaluation's easier. He's already in the league, so like if you trade a fourth round pick for a guy, you expect him to contribute in some way. He's done nothing. Uh, I think that's worse than just you know cutting a, a fourth a guy that you picked in the fourth round uh, a year later, last pick in the fourth round, as you uh, mentioned numerous times. But a fourth round pick, nevertheless, I think it's you know easier to to do that because you know every team misses on fourth round picks. It's really not a big deal. Not every team you know trades a fourth round pick for a guy that does absolutely nothing for you. So I think Avery cutting him would be worse. So I have him ahead of Miller. I have Two Hill ahead of uh, ahead of Osman. I've I've actually been pretty impressed with with some things that Two Hill's done, and I think his upside is a little bit is a little bit higher. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I would say that there is a possibility that they keep both of those guys, Two Hill and Osman, um, especially given. The injury concerns that you have 
with uh, with Derek Barnett, of course. And uh, Brandon Graham's been pretty durable over the last few years. But yeah, I, I would I would say that that defensive end position is obviously a very important one. So uh, very very possible they keep six. On a broader level, I would say the Eagles' defensive line has gotten the best of the Eagles' offensive oh, line for sure. now. With that being said, I mean, obviously, Lane Johnson is out today. Um, you have Jordan Mailata and Matt Pryor as your starting two tackles on the first team. Because Andre Dillard is also out day-to-day with an upper body injury. Really, I mean, I would say even the whole defense as a whole. Like, just the whole, the whole defense. The whole first team defense really has been ahead of the offense. Which uh, isn't great <laughs> to me, in theory, because... Well, you want to see the defense be good. I mean, like the offense being good is way more valuable. Yes. In the context of the NFL, I was going through some numbers recently, and I was I was looking back at just last year in terms of DVOA. Um, I have this article up on BootyGreenNation.com, and it was like eight of the ten top teams in DVOA made the playoffs last year, and it was like only five of the top ten defensive teams. So that's just you know a very short and not necessarily wide sample size, but it's kind of you know. But it makes sense. Like offenses is more important than yeah. defense. Like you want you want to have that. So yay, good to see the defense doing well. But like hopefully the offense kind of comes together a little bit more here. That's just a more general takeaway or thought I've had about camp. Yeah, defense. The the the, the phrase defense wins championships. Just that's not true anymore. Mm. <laughs> offense wins championships. Uh, all right. So I figured we play a little quick game. Can you name the jersey number? We're gonna go a little obscure with uh, jersey numbers. Usually this time of year. We're, we're, what, through seven practices so far? Uh, mm-hmm. First, like, day or two, you struggle a little bit with, uh, with uh, like, somebody well, does something. Especially this year. And then you no look OTAs. at, yeah, and then you, like, you look at the, uh, you have to have your, sort of your your uh, roster sheet. You take a look at it, like, who who is that? Like, an obscure guy makes a catch or something like that. Who is that? You look. If you're still using that thing after, like, day four, then uh, you're really just not watching practice like well enough. Uh, but we're, we'll, so I have no doubt that you're going to get all these. Let's mm-hmm. just see how quickly you can get them. Okay. All right. What are we doing here? I'm going to give you the jersey. Number? I'm going to give you the the number, and then okay. you tell me the player. Gotcha. Or do you want to do it the other way? Uh, it's up to you. What do you want to? I'll give you the number. We'll do it that way. Okay. Thirty-seven. On defense, it's Marcus Epps. Who's it on offense? There's no offense. <laughs> okay. Very good. Why did you say on defense? I don't know. <laughs> because some of these, I, I feel like you're going to trick me with some of these with the, the two sides. So I'll numbers. give you credit either way. So if I give you a number, it's a, an offensive guy and a defensive guy. You okay. say either one, I'll give you credit for it. Mm-hmm. 61. 61 is Julian Good Jones on offense, and it's Raycon Williams on defense. Very good. All right. 46. 46 is Michael Jaquette on defense. Uh-huh. And on offense, who is it on offense? Is it Adrian oh, Killens? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Adrian it is. Killens. 51. 51 is Sharif Miller. Correct. 48. Is Elijah Riley. 38. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 38 is... um. Got him. No, I know this one. Why can't I think of it? I'm blanking. I mean, I am toast. Um, I know what it is. It's 38... It's a cornerback. It's Wait, o- no. Def- it's it's only it's only one player. It's not a shared it's, number. Uh, that's why I'm getting tripped up here. It's offense. Um, running back, thirty-eight. Oh, Michael Warren. Duh. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know why? No, I can remember that because I haven't seen him freaking do anything. Yeah, he really like, he's, he's been he's, invisible in practice. He was a guy that was getting some hype heading into camp, and he hasn't done nothing. I feel like I saw him the first couple of days, and I haven't seen him since. And that's probably why I couldn't remember that. Yeah, he really hasn't done anything. He got yelled at today too for not running out of play. Mm. Uh, all right, last one. Six. 
forget how there's like the, the pronunciation. Uh, I heard John Gnod say it, and it's like it's not like you would think it is. It's it's not. I forget it, but oh, Manessa it's not. Bailey. I didn't know. Okay. Well, who is it? Uh, it's Manessa Bailey. No, that's incorrect. Oh, it's Travis Ful- Fulgham. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of wait, what's Manessa? Ba- Manessa Bailey's three. three. Yeah, he's yeah. three. Travis Fulgham, new guy, six. I'll give you a C minus on that. I should have done better. Fulgham, by the way, had a couple of nice catches today along the sideline. He did. He did. He's got no chance of making the roster because he's just such a late addition. And, I mean, Uh, the six guys that they're going to keep are locked in anyway. But mm -hmm. maybe practice squad guy. We'll see. And we'll close it out here on on Elliot Shore Parks (laughs) (laughs) and his uh, athletic endeavors. He put out Mm -hmm. a tweet. Uh, How long ago was that? Last week or he's so, got, he's got an in, insane amount of mileage out of this tweet. Where he's, mm-hmm. I don't have it in front of me, but he said something to the effect of, "Well, we're talking about it." But, well, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it like went national this tweet. But he yeah. said basically that uh, he could never score a goal in hockey, no way. But he could luck into a homer in baseball. He could score a basket in basketball, and he could score a touchdown in football. First of all, how would you how would you rank the difficulty of those four things? Things I could do. Yeah, yeah. Rank the difficulty, like the the easiest thing to do to the hardest. thing. I mean, the basketball one is the easiest. Yes, one. for sure. I mean, it's not to say it's easy because you know if you're if you're accounting for like NBA players like closing down on you, like you can't even get a shot off. But you know. In theory, there's a moment in a game where you could be wide open at some point. You just cherry pick. You just hang out. You just hang out in front of the basket, and then eventually someone's going to get a steal. They just throw it down, and you score, and then they take out the game. And then I would say, I mean, touchdown can be easy in theory if there's like a trick play, you know, like something just where the defense totally <laughs> forgot about you, or there's a blown coverage. Like that's possible. Like that could happen. It could happen where like. They just, you know, because that happens. There's there's times where players just like walk into the end zone. I feel like you'd um, have a chance, a legit chance of scoring on a on a QB sneak. Me especially, yeah. Yeah, you're six nine. You could you could reach the ball over the goal. Once you, all you got to do is reach it over, and then well, that's the thing. and then that's it. Like it's a touchdown. You know what's underrated to me, Jimmy, is the quarterback sneak, but up like breaking the vertical plane. Don't worry about like. Like too many people try to get like over the pile. Yeah, I always think back to like when Matt Stafford had that comeback. The Lions had that comeback against the Cowboys. Dallas. Yep, I forget what it what year it was, but like yeah, like he, super smart play by him. Like they think they're going. He's like signaling for spike at the end of the game near the goal line. Yes, he fakes it, but he he doesn't like like try to dive over the line. Like you know, like sneak it, pile through. He just literally like jumps up in the air and sticks his hands out. So that's that, and it breaks the plane. Like that's a touchdown. You know, I, I feel like people for some reason like don't think about that. Like you have to break the plane. You don't have to get your whole body into the end zone. So, so yeah, I guess that's number two. I mean, I guess the hockey thing, I think you have to assume like you have some kind of competency with skating. You know what I mean? Cause like I can't skate at all. Like, so that would be last for me for accounting for that. I guess I could try to learn skating and try to do that before I could probably hit a home run in baseball. See, the thing with hockey though is that, like you can just if a if a puck glances off of you and goes in, yeah. it's a goal for you. I don't even know if I could stand on the ice though. I the don't pro- even know if I could like like get out there at all. Like, yeah, I, the problem is you'd have you have to be on sides for that okay. to happen. So like you have yeah, to be behind true. the blue line before the puck enters, and then you have to be able to skate to the goal. Uh-huh. <laughs> create traffic in front of the goal and you know whatever you know the defensemen back there are just going to be decking you on your ass but i feel like you can just all you have to if you're on side you just go to the goal you curl up in the fetal position 
and then hope you know somebody's able to fire a puck into you <laughs> into the goal. That won't hurt. But the problem <laughs> yeah, that with won't. that though too is once they enter the zone, like they, there's no like passing the puck. I mean, first of all, you'd have to be on the power play for for uh, you to ha- have any kind of chance like of a, a goal. A five on three. And, a five on three probably. is your really your only chance because it, once they enter the zone, like you're not going to be able. They're not going to be able to pass the puck around in time for you to get your ass in front of the goal crease and set up so that a puck might glance off you into the goal. I mean, that's that's probably the most physical abuse you'd have to take in any of these scenarios is that. First of all, just not not only even like a puck hitting you, which would hurt like hell, but also just these defensemen just all over you once you get near the goal crease. Yeah, so I would put the home run last. And then a home run is, is the hardest because... I mean, it's not easy hitting a baseball. <laughs> I mean, At all. Yeah. I mean, but to hit one, you'd have to hit one right down the line in most parks. And that's going to be over 300 feet in, in any ballpark. Mm-hmm. Maybe like the uh, the short porch or whatever they call it in uh, Fenway. Like that, but you'd have to hit it. You have to like hit it just right to mm-hmm. kind of peel it around the pole there. That's a very short area of the park. Other than that, I don't, I don't think I have the, uh, I don't think I have the power. <laughs> I, don't, I, uh, I don't even have warning track power. Like, like Doug, for example, was you know tanking bombs in softball, <laughs> yeah. and he couldn't get it out. And Doug is far more athletic than I am. So sure. yeah, I don't think in any scenario I'm hitting the ball out of a park. If you want to weigh in on this topic, hashtag BGN <laughs> Sports Challenge. <laughs> And uh, rank the things yourself, or <laughs> tell us what you think you can, or, or what we can and can't do. So Elliot's got. Are... Elliot's actually going to face Jack Fritz, uh, friend of the yes. pod, uh, on yes. Tuesday at noon, I believe. I forget what they're doing it, where they're doing it. Rather, it's not going to be at the ballpark. Jack used to be a pitcher. Jack threw ninety. Uh, I'm, I'm told by Elliot when he was in college, and I believe he still plays in some sort of rec league or something like that. Mm-hmm. He was. Elliot said that Jack told him that he could throw like upper seventies, I think, which uh, I could hit that. I can make contact off that. I'll take you on all day, Fritz. <laughs> wow, <laughs> throwing down the gauntlet right here, uh, Jack Fritz. You're, you're uh, used to go on the BGN Radio's own back in the day uh, Counterpoint podcast where you guys would do the, the dumpster fire. Yes, it, it was actually about you. Why Jimmy Kevsky used to be a dumpster fire? Yes, correct. And he, yeah, he gave ten reasons why I'm terrible, which was mm-hmm. fun. Uh, but yeah, I'll tell. I mean, I won't hit a homer off him in a, in a ballpark, but I'll get a hit off of him. Bring it on, Jack. Jimmy, <laughs> he's not listening. Just do your chance. He's listening. But if this gets to him, that would be fun. I will say this, Brenda. Before hold on, before you move on, at the Saint Joan of Arc Carnival two years ago, I don't know how long this lasted that night, but mm-hmm. when I I went to the fast pitch and I threw uh, a sixty-seven mile an hour fastball which was hmm. the fastest pitch among the 40 and over group <laughs> it was maybe a little unfair in my favor because i believe at the time i was probably like 40 or 41 but i i had my picture taken in front of this board and everything i won like a big uh rainbow unicorn that is like among my daughter's favorite stuffed animals in her collection and uh i walked away from that fast pitch Feeling pretty, pretty good about myself. Again, I don't know if anyone broke it thereafter. I doubt it because of my uh, extreme athletic ability. But uh, yeah, for for one night, I was a champion. It's pretty impressive, Jimmy. (laughs) 
I am speechless in awe. My high school baseball coach always wanted me to play baseball. I didn't do it, but he told me I could be the next Randy Johnson. He was just like, you just had to grow your hair out, you know, get a mustache. And, you know, because I'm tall, obviously, you have an arm? I have a natural. Uh, a good no, arm? I mean, no. And okay. I didn't. He just saw me because I was tall, and he would just try to get me to play. And I, and I never did, but I probably could have been, like, a pretty decent pitcher, you know, just because I have the height. And, and Randy, Randy Johnson was huge. You know, I have that. I have that leverage. I can build like that natural torque, or I don't know. I don't know science or any. I don't even know if any of this is true. But whatever. I'm basically tweet it out and find out, buddy. I should. Yeah, really. I can just have the internet meltdown. I, right. I tied this segment up nicely. Someone can clip that and then send it out. Jimmy, this has gone off the rails, but that's yes. that's fine. This is where we are in training camp. I guess I want to close by saying: Is there anything else you want to see? Because we have what. Uh, a couple, few more days of training camp that we know for sure. Here. Well, no, like I do anything. know the schedule actually. So okay. uh, we were we're in practice every day until Thursday. Uh, so Thursday's practice will be practice number ten, where mm-hmm. they they don't practice on Friday. Media is allowed in on Saturday and Sunday, and then that's it. We're done from okay. the media perspective. So we get to see twelve practices, which falls pretty well short of what we normally get to see. It's fine, understandable, no big deal. But uh, yeah, that's that's what it'll be. As far as like, so we only we only get like five more practices to watch. Uh, what do I need to see in those final five practices? Yeah, just quick as we're wrapping up here. I'd like to see maybe uh, one of the running backs on the back end of the roster do something yeah. and uh, earn that fourth spot. I'd maybe like to see uh, Sidney Jones play again in a practice. Maybe mm-hmm. um, I'd like to see Andre Dillard come back and. Uh, I think his camp has been disappointing from the perspective that he hasn't been. I mean, he's, he was hurt with a with a lower body injury originally. Now he's out with an upper body body injury. So I'd like to see him come back and maybe string together a couple good days, make the Eagles feel a little bit better about uh, their situation at left tackle. Oh, I, I already went through three. So you, <laughs> do you have any? Of, do you have any before I steal them all? Well, the Wentz thing, the accuracy kind of yeah, touched on right. that already. But I would also say just let it rip a little bit more too, Carson. Like just, you know, and maybe it's not so much on him as much as they're just not calling deep shots or whatever. But I'd like to see, especially to Rager, I'd like to see that a little bit more, you know, because he's had them in the one-on-ones, but not as many in the team drills. And I guess I'd like to see that a little bit more. And then just some guys coming back at some point, like Derek Barnett was listed as week to week. I guess he's been out, or by the time we're done, he'll, he will have been out two weeks so if he were to come back, at least, you know, start to practice a little bit, that'd be maybe an encouraging sign. That's about all I got. All right, Jimmy. Obviously, this has been BGN Radio brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Turkey. You can go to RighteousFelon.com. Use count code BGN15 to get 15% off. You can continue to check out our training camp coverage on BleedingGreenNation.com and Jimmy's on Philly Voice. You can check out BGN underscore radio on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton on Twitter, at Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter, at Bleeding Green on Twitter. And until next time, Jimmy. Goodbye, everybody. P G N.